Ramadan Reflections, Day 16, Men and Women, the Hijab, the Quranic Perspective, Part 1. A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajeem, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to Ramadan Reflections for 2023, 1444 in the Islamic calendar. Today is the 16th day of the blessed month of Ramadan. And we continue in our review of verses of the Quran under the theme of not like the other, women in the Quran. Today we want to look at a very contentious issue we can say. We move into one of perhaps the most controversial topics that people have debated and discussed. Um, especially over the past, let's say, 10 to 20 years or so. People have pointed a finger, both Muslims and non-Muslims alike, at Islam in regards to what is referred to as the hijab. Now, obviously, that word in itself has to be defined. It's a misnomer. It doesn't occur in the Quran in terms of what we're going to discuss. Um, but let's call it the topic of the Islamic modest dress, if we may. And we want to look at the topic of the Islamic modest dress for women and men from the Quran, but more specifically, obviously, the women, because that is our discussion. And this is one of those areas that has stirred many debates and disagreements amongst especially the Muslim community. You know, there are some people that believe that such practices of, of modest dressing, covering the body, some people believe that this is limited to the era in which these verses were coming down. Due to the nature of that uh, society, the Arab society, and, and it necessitated women to cover in a particular way because of them coming out of their uh, culture of jahiliyyah. Other people have, Muslims have been heard to say that a covering of the entire body, which men and women engage in, in Islam, was required due to the climate of the Arabian Peninsula, because of the intense rays of the sun, because of the sandstorms. They say that, you know, these things which would occasionally happen, and so people needed to be physically covered to protect themselves from the elements. Now, these and many other opinions are abound. However, what does the Quran actually say about women and men and their clothing as a form of hijab? And equally as relevant and something we will have to discuss either today or tomorrow is the hijab in terms of the social component, the attitude that one has, the way they carry themselves. Does the Quran even speak about this? Now, before we go to the verses that we want to re review for today, and they're very brief review because this will be a lengthy discussion. I want to go into the history of why these verses were revealed. It so happens that it was in the city of Medina that a young man was walking in the streets. And at that time, women were covering their hair and their body. But what they would do is keep their hair covered, but their ears would stay open. So they would tie the hijab in such a way that the ears would stay open, the neck, this entire front part would stay open, the chest would be exposed and they would flick the hijab behind their back. Some women today even do this today. In any case, this young man, he saw this girl as he was walking down the streets of Medina, he turns around to look at her and he kept walking and looking and walking and looking, not paying attention to what was in front of him as he's looking at the girl from the back. And the commentators of the Quran say he hits a wall, he falls down to the ground. Covered in blood as he gets up, he noticed that there was a bone or a piece of wood that was sticking out of the wall that he crashed his head into. He looks at himself, his face is dripping with blood, his clothes are all blood-stained, and he immediately did what anybody would do. He blamed somebody else. 
he vowed to go to the Prophet Muhammad, may God bless him and his family, and tell him what happened, perhaps hoping that the woman would be found to be at fault and that God would reprimand the women in the Quran. And then the Prophet would you know, uh, tell the women it is their fault that this man and others are being tempted lustfully. So the young man goes to the Prophet, tells him what happens, and Jibra'il, the angel of revelation, comes down with the following verses from chapter 24, Surah An-Nur, verse 30 and 31, where Allah says, Tell the believing men that they should restrain their gaze from looking at the women whom it is lawful for them to marry, and guard their private parts in chastity. This is what is purer for them. God is fully aware of all they do. And tell the believing women that they also should restrain their great gaze from looking at the men whom it is lawfully lawful for them to marry and guard their private parts and that they should not display their charms except that which is revealed of itself. And let them draw their veils over their bosoms and tell them not to display their charms to any save their husbands or their fathers and grandfathers and both paternal and maternal uncles or the fathers of their husbands or their sons or the sons of their husbands both their own and stepsons and grandsons or their brothers and foster and stepbrothers or the sons of their brothers or the sons of their sisters or the Muslim women and the women of good conduct with whom they associate or those slave girls their right hands possess or the male attendants in their service free of sexual desire, or children that are as yet unaware of femininity, nor should they stamp their feet, meaning act in such a manner as to draw attention to their charms and arouse the passion of men. And O believers, turn to God altogether in repentance that you may attain true prosperity. Now, contrary to popular belief, brothers and sisters, the hijab, the obligation of hijab, it began with Allah addressing the men and informing them of their responsibility as we saw in the verse I just began with. It all starts with Allah addressing the men and telling them. Not telling the women first and foremost, he was telling the men that don't stare incessantly at women regardless of how they are dressed. It does not say, keep your eyes down and don't ever look up at another woman. The Quran does not say that, and our commentators of the Quran have never understood such verses to mean that you just keep looking with your head down and you walk with your eyes to the ground. No. The second thing God says to the men is they are told to then guard their modesty. That is, not to expose their private parts to others. Now, you know, I don't want to go into much of the discussion about men because this is about women in the Quran, but let me just mention, you know, that this part of the verse is best applied when a Muslim man goes to the beach or a swimming pool, uh, and they need to be careful, obviously, they, that they do not expose their private parts to others that are there. When you go into the change rooms and the locker room and so on and so forth. Now, obviously, and, you know, this is uh, for both the genders, and it's also people of the same gender and also the other gender. So, and again, that's a separate topic, which I don't want to delve into. But now in this verse, we see that Allah did not outline a specific hijab, so to speak, for men. That is, specific parts of the body which must be covered from non-mahram women. Women they are not related to, but have the potential to marry. 
And if you want to know what a man needs to cover in, when he's in the presence of women whom he is not related to, you can look at the Islamic manuals, uh, Islamic law manuals of the scholar you follow for more information. Because again, that's not a part of my discussion and I don't want to detract from the main theme of hijab for women in particular. Now, from this point in our discussion, however, the next verse which I read addressed women. And the first two commandments which Allah told the women were exactly as He told the men. Do not stare intensely at non-mahram men and that you as women ensure that you protect your private parts, you keep them covered from others. Again, whether it's a, a woman-only beach or a woman-only swimming pool, so on and so forth. However, from this point is where Allah broadens the discussion as it relates to women and hijab and what they must cover and from whom they must cover these areas from. And it's a lengthy discussion as you saw in the verse and as you heard in the verse. Let's try and go through it as quick as possible. You know, the verse notes that they should not display their charms, their beauty, except that it which is revealed of itself. And then God says, let them draw their veils over their bosoms and tell them not to display their charms to any except for certain groups. So one thing is the charms or the zina, the beautification. Number two is where God says that they're obligated to pull their veils, what he calls the khimar, over their front of the body, over the, the chest area. Because again, as I said, they used to flick the hijab back and if they had a low-cut blouse or something on, things would show. Now, this portion of the verse speaks to the fact that their veils or their khimar, what we can call in today's terms that our sisters would know as a headscarf or a hijab, um, that it needs to cover the head, the hair, ears, and neck. This entire, what we call the head. And it needed to be drawn over the front of the body, rather than flicking it behind the ears and neck, allowing the ears, this part of the neck, and the, and the, and the front of the chest to remain uncovered. This means that before the hijab verse, before this came down, Muslim women were already covering their hair. This verse had to add that in, in addition to covering, you can't flick your hijab back behind your ears and neck or back and leave it behind you rather in the back and that you have to cover these areas and you have to cover the top part of your chest. They were already halfway there. Allah completed the hijab in this verse we can say. Now the rest of the verse it speaks to those women uh, whom they are not obligated to cover in front of like their father, their husband, their son, grandchildren etc, etc. And I don't want to go into those details. You can read the verse and, and come to your own understanding. Um, but let me conclude here because we don't want to go over time, but we must realize that there is more that can be said. And I'll leave that for tomorrow in part two of the discussion of hijab. But we need to recognize, brothers and sisters, that we recognize that there will be similarities in the hijab between men and women. But like other areas of Islamic law, there are major Vast differences which exist between the men and the woman. Praying, for example. Men and women both pray the Salat, but there are unique aspects for how a woman prays and how a man prays. These are not in place because God wants, or God is misogynistic, or He wants to subjugate women, or that this is a male-dominated religion and scholars derive these rulings to put women down and cover them up. No, rather there's a wisdom behind it. Why God put something like the hijab in the religion and the purposes which it serves, which we will look at in our next session. 
It's a very lengthy discussion, and I admit that we will not be able to do justice even tomorrow to the topic where we review women and men, the hijab, Quranic perspectives, and the philosophy, but we will try our best to give some guidance that other scholars from within the faith of Islam have offered as possibilities and from their analysis of the hijab. But again, this is a conversation that we need to keep having. We have to have open dialogue. We have to read the books available, the lectures that have already been given on hijab, and ultimately come to the realization that it is a Quranic mandate for all women of this faith of Islam. Until tomorrow, where we can continue our discussion on hijab. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.